Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? It is super good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us and worshiping with us this morning. We want to welcome those who are in person. We want to welcome those who are online. Uh, we are thankful that you're here. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and uh, if you don't know, I have the honor of serving as one of the pastors here at Solid Rock, uh, most specifically to our students. And a few weeks ago, we began a brand new sermon series called Light in the Darkness. And briefly, I would like to recap for you uh, what that series has looked like so far, because we are in week three. And so for week one, uh, it was led by our lead pastor, uh, Jason, and what he helped us to see uh, from Matthew chapter five is that as the church, we are the light of the world. And it is our responsibility as the church uh, to, to be that. And we are most um, enlightening, we are most uh, bright whenever we are exalting Jesus and when we are loving others. So that was week number one. Uh, week number two was last week and it was led by Jeff, who is our mission pastor. And he helped us to see that our faith in Jesus creates a unity amongst all of us. And we have the responsibility to take the light of the gospel into the world, into our communities, into our workplaces, things of that nature. Uh, and if you have your Bible, go ahead and start turning uh, to Philippians chapter four. That is where we are going to be this morning. And while you're doing that, I wanna tell you a, a little story. Uh, so right before I started here at Solid Rock Church, um, I actually was doing a one-year full-time internship at another local church. And when the job was offered to me here at Solid Rock, I was actually working there and working here. They allowed me to be able to do both. Um, but it was about May, um, June, about three years ago, and that internship was fixing to end, which means that I would no longer be full-time because uh, I'm working at, at, at Solid Rock part-time. And so I had a dilemma. There was something that I needed to do in order to supplement that income in order to be able to take care of my family. Um, at the time, it was just Lauren and I, my wife, or excuse me, my daughter, Emma, had not yet been born, um, but, but I, I had to take care of us. Not to mention, I was going back to seminary, uh, which, if you know anything about seminary, it is not cheap. And so, I had to find a way to be able to have uh, enough money to be able to take care of those things. Well, what you may not know about me is, is prior to that internship, I had actually been uh, in education for about five years. And so I had this idea, well, what I'll do is I'll just call my old principal and um, I will ask him if there are any jobs available and maybe there is and I can just go right back into teaching, no problem. So I called him and I said, hey, you know, is, is there a job uh, opening? at Tannehill, it's the name of the school, and he said yes. And I'm like, cool, awesome, there is a job opening. That was the good news. The bad news was it was a science position. Now, if there's anybody in here who, who teaches science or you really like science, then no disrespect at all. Uh, I am just not a science teacher. My forte is social studies, I love history, I love seeing how our world has developed over time. And so the thought of teaching science was actually really scary. 
Uh, I had never been in that position before. I was scared that I was gonna take the job, which I had to interview for. You know, what if they asked me science questions and I didn't know what I was talking about? Uh, and so I, I was worried about that and I was worried that if I took the job that it would just be a failure and then I, I was gonna just you know, fail the students and it was just gonna be this horrific, terrible thing. I know it sounds really dramatic. Uh, don't be judgmental. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really scary. And, and really, to be honest, I know it's kind of a, a joking um, way that I'm saying it, but in that moment, it really was very overwhelming to me. It was a very dark time for me because I was thinking, how am I going to take care of my wife? How am I going to be able to provide for us? It was a very, very um, difficult moment, a dark moment in my life. Well, um, about... Uh, uh, probably about middle of June, um, I get a phone call from that same principal. Lauren and I, we had just had dinner. We were sitting, uh, watching TV or something. And uh, I get a phone call and he's like, hey man, you are never gonna believe this, but just yesterday, there was a position that opened up in fifth grade social studies. All right, I was, I was really happy about that. And he said, man, I, I didn't expect it. It just came out of nowhere. Um, but I want you to know, you know, I'm calling you one day later. I want you in this position. I want you to have this job. And, and thankfully, it worked out exactly how it was supposed to. And you know why? Because of God. It, you know, it'd be easy to say that that was a coincidence. It would be easy to say that, uh, you know, even though I made such a good impression that he couldn't, you know, not have me. That is not it at all. God had provided in that moment. And this week, um, so I tell you that story to, to tell you this. This week, what I want us to focus on together, we're going to change gears from what we've seen in the past couple of weeks. And tonight, to this morning, not tonight, we are going to be talking through what our response should look like when people are able to shed light into our darkness. Because I would venture to say that there is somebody in this room, possibly multiple of you, that really are dealing with some moments of darkness right now. I don't know what it is. God does. I don't know what you're going through. God does. But in those moments when he uses people to shed light into our darkness, to be able to Help us you know, see that glimmer of hope, that glimmer of light. I wanna talk about what, what does our response look like in those moments? And that's what we're gonna see from Philippians chapter four here. Uh, we're gonna be looking at verses 10 through 20, so hopefully you have your Bible open um, and you are there. And I will tell you this, that our time together will be focused on three main words when we think about responding uh, to those moments of light in the midst of our darkness. And these words are, keep these in mind, contentment, appreciation, and praise. Amen. Those are the three things that we're gonna be talking about today. So here's point number one. We're gonna dive right in, and it's this, that when God has raised people up to help us in our times of darkness, the first response that we should have is to receive it from a place of contentment. Receive it from a place of contentment. I want you to look at verses 10 through 13 with me. This is Paul writing to the Philippian people. And he's saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Meaning they cared about him, they wanted to help him, but they just didn't have uh, a need right then and there for them, uh, for them to meet. Now, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am 
to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, at the time that Paul is writing this letter, he is actually in prison, and the Philippian people had given a lot to be able to help him financially. In fact, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Of course, he is very thankful for their help. He is thankful that they have made that sacrifice financially to be able to help him, to be able to serve him. But his thankfulness isn't because his needs have been satisfied. His thankfulness comes from a place of contentment. It didn't matter that he had been uh, filled at one point in time or hungry. It didn't matter that he had one point in time had plenty and then another point in time he had nothing. He was content. Now think about that for a moment. He is sitting up in prison and he is telling the Philippian people, I am content. What? I, I don't know if any of you have ever been to jail. Please don't raise your hand. I don't need to know. But I think being content in the middle of that circumstance would be extremely difficult. So how, how was he able to do that? How was he able to be content in, in the midst of that hard circumstance? Well, I think it's because of verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, unfortunately, this verse uh, is often taken out of contents content. First of all, raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse before, right? Probably almost every single person in this room. But it is, it's taken out of context. It's used to mean something when it doesn't actually mean that. You know, often you see athletes put this verse somewhere on their equipment in order to be a, a you know, spiritual rabbit's foot, one author said. Uh, we too often use this verse to, to justify that if we work hard enough or if we are good enough, then we will be able to get out of any dark situation that we find ourselves in. But, but let me tell you, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we are in dark situations because that is what God has ordained for our life. Amen. Yes, amen. And man, that's a tough thing to swallow. Yes. You mean God's placed me in this hard situation? Yes. Possibly. Because he often uses hard situations to draw us closer to him. Yes, he, he often uses hard situations for us to rely on him. Now, don't get me wrong. You're in a hard situation possibly, I don't wanna just tell you, hey, you just need to be content. Like, like that's a really tough thing. I don't wanna say that to you. However, I, I will say this, if our contentment is contingent on our circumstance, we've missed it. We've missed it. For Paul, though, this wasn't the case. He wasn't preoccupied with his situation. He was preoccupied with Jesus. Therein lies the secret that Paul re refers to in verse 12. Philippians 4.13 doesn't mean that you can overcome any darkness, any difficulty. It means that even in the dark times, Jesus strengthens us as he counsels us and guides us and encourages us and takes care of us. You see the difference? This kind of contentment allowed him to be open to receive help from the Philippian people, and this allows us to receive help from those around us today. Here's point number two. 
when God has raised someone up to help us in times of need, we should appreciate their willingness to serve. Listen to verses 14 through 17. Paul continues, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Here, Paul is showing his appreciation for the Philippian people for their help during his missionary journeys. And one of the biggest ways that they were able to help was through giving money. And, and he recognizes them as the only church to have given before to help Paul and continue to give up until this time. So it was a pretty big deal to Paul. They had met significant needs in his life to be able to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And he also wants to make sure that they know that he appreciates them, yes, for the giving of the money, he's thankful for that, but, but he also appreciates how this giving has helped them grow. Have you ever given something to somebody and yes, you were benefiting them, but it really, really benefited you too, right here? That's what he's talking about here. He's thankful for that. You know, I bet all of us can think of a time whenever God used someone to help meet a need in our life in some way. Maybe it was financial, maybe it wasn't. But I want you to think about that for a second. When is a time in your life where God used someone to bring light to your dark situation? I have some examples here. You know, maybe it was, it was a coworker that was there to listen to you when you needed to vent about your work problems. You know, perhaps it was a married couple that agreed to walk through a difficult time in your marriage to help you get through what you and your spouse were experiencing. You know, maybe it was a time whenever your family was super tight on money. You didn't know how you were gonna put food on the table for your kids. But they gave the money for you to be able to do that. These are just a few of, of many examples. One big example for our student ministry that I want to share with you. Every single time that we have an event and we have students that aren't able to provide for that financially for whatever reason, every time there is somebody, usually multiple people, who give to ensure that no student can't go. Some of you are in this room and I want to say thank you. That's what it means to have light shed onto difficult, dark circumstances. God uses people to take care of people. I want you to remember that. Just like he used the Philippian people to care for Paul, God uses certain people in our lives to take care of us. And it's important for us to show them how appreciative we are. We have to receive their help with graciousness and not pride. There's a big thing. I tell you right now, for, for Jeremy, somebody wants to do something for me, I'm like, no. I got this, I'll do it on my own. Terrible way to respond. Amen. Amen. My dad told me one time, he said, and I, I never really thought about it like this, but he said, you know, whenever you refuse that from somebody, you are taking a blessing away from them. And I was like, man, that's true. Take your money back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, 
we are robbing somebody of that blessing. Because being able to help others, to provide light in the middle of darkness is mutually beneficial. It not only helps the receiver, but it helps the giver. Here's point number three. When God uses others to help provide light in times of darkness, we should give God glory for what he has done. Listen to verses 18 through 20. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. That's how much they had given. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To, God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Philippian people had helped Paul out so much that he had more than enough to be able to continue the work that God had called him to do. And you know, Paul, he mentions this guy Epaphroditus. And you may not know who he is, but Epaphroditus was kind of this middleman. He would take the gifts from the Philippian people to Paul to be able to continue in his missionary work. Um, and he describes their gifts as a fragrant aroma or smell. This is actually reminiscent of Old Testament passages in, in which people would sacrifice to God in order to please him. And, and the Bible said that it was a pleasing aroma. And that was a cost for the people doing that. You know, it, it wasn't cheap to go buy a ram or a bull and sacrifice that to God. It, really, it showed real sacrifice. It showed real commitment. And so for Paul to say that what the Philippian people had done for him was like a pleasing aroma to God, that was a really big deal. It really was. You know, the imagery here is, is amazing. And because of their gifts, Paul was confident that God would meet every need that they had. And when it was all said and done, did you catch who would receive the glory in it all? It wasn't great job, Philippian people, to God be the glory. This is what Paul cared about the most. You know, what I want to do right now is I want to show you a, a video. It's a testimony video from a man in our church. His name is John Grubb. He actually serves in our student ministry. Super cool guy. And he is going to share with you his heart. And I want you to really pay attention where his heart is when you watch this. But he's going to share with you his heart uh, regarding a dark time that he himself faced recently. And so, tech team, can you guys go ahead and roll that? Hey, uh, I'm John Grubb. I've been uh, coming to Solid Rock for 15 years now. I was invited by my wife, who was coming at the time, and I've, I've been here ever since. Uh, became a Christian through Solid Rock. I got baptized, and uh, I've been serving ever since. So I was raised Catholic. I was always in church. My mom made sure of it um, from the time I can remember to, to the time I got my driver's license. I served the Catholic Church. I was an altar boy for 10 years. I won prestigious awards and never submitted to God. Never in the plan. It was just going through the motions. Uh, lived my life on my own. Did what I wanted, even through my first two marriages. Uh, 
wasn't the best of person. Uh, drank a lot. I was a womanizer. Um, I was just selfish. I started dating Stacy, and she invited me. She took my kids. They both got saved while I was on the golf course. So one rainy day, I decided to come to Solid Rock. And, you know, my excuse was I don't have anything to wear. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, you know, I feel hypocritical. But it was different when I hit the door and, you know, Billy Warren standing there in shorts with a smile and, and you know, just welcoming. So I felt at ease that way. Um, it felt like it was just, you know, uh, just an extension of home. So before, you know, during my job, I was always, uh, you know, I was a, a mechanic, always tinkering with cars. I, won't, I never would say I was a mechanic until later on. I've always been, I always dealt with auto parts, always something about automobiles. I took automech in high school. I just, I, I like tinkering with them. But when I was, what made me get into it, when I was 15 years old, I got my first car. I first came to my parents and said, hey, I'm 15 and I'm getting my license, so uh, maybe we should talk about a car. And my dad looked at me and goes, son, you can have whatever you can afford. So I said, okay, I know where we stand. So I bought my own car. Uh, I started uh, having problems with it. I come to him and said, hey, I think my starter's come going out on my car. Can you help me with it? And he looked me at me and he said, nope, I can't. Well, I said, okay, no problem. Uh, I went out, popped the hood, had no idea what I was doing, but I found the starter. I took it off. I walked a mile to Kissinger Auto Parts, walked back, put the starter on, and, you know, never looked back. I've always tinkered with cars. I always uh, wanted to see how they run. I'd tear one down and build it back up, and I've, I've done that since I was 15 years old. From from the age of 16 on, I always had a job. I mean, I was, I was always working. I never didn't have a job. I wouldn't uh, quit a job and not have a job. I always was recruited by other, you know, other companies to work for them. I was, uh, I was a WM Automotive outside sales. Great job for me, you know. Uh, although, you know, people don't know I'm introvert. I really am, and I work hard at not being that. So, outside sales is, was the perfect job if you don't, you know, if you want to get away from that. So, uh, I, my job was to go to uh, installing shops, shops that work on cars, and you know, give them the specials and try to uh, help their business grow and our business growing at the same time. I was dedicated to 100 uh, shops, 100 customers of mine. So I was there for six years. I really liked the job, really did. Uh, this COVID-19 thing hit and you know I had an it, automotive is an essential job and I thought well I'm okay. I'm, I'm gonna be alright. Stacy's got an essential job. I got an essential job so we'll be okay. Uh, three weeks into it the, the president of the company comes to me and says I gotta let you go. Uh, I'm worried about closing my doors, so I'm letting you and some others go. And uh, never been in that position. Never been, you know. I kind of went panic mode, and I was jumped right on the phone 
calling people that I knew um, that worked in other parts of the automotive industry and asking them, you know, hey, are you hired? Hey, are you hired? And at the time, it's not the best time to find a job, you know, when everybody else is being shut down. You know, you go from an essential job and working and, you know, working on cars at night to nothing. I mean, I felt, you know, worthless, useless, just uh, thinking, what am I going to do, you know, so, you know, what's the next step? One of my first calls was, um, you know, Jason, the pastor, he, I think he got wind of and he called me. And I said, hey man, I just need, um, you know, I just need prayer. I just need, you know, by then the, the checks were coming, the unemployment checks were coming and it was really helping. Uh, I just said, I need prayer on where I need to go from here. I said, not just you, I need, I need you to, you know, get a hold of the elders. And I've done that in the past. If something's on my mind that I need prayer for, I would, I would, you know, set up a meeting with the elders and have them lay hands on me and pray over me. And man, the power of prayer, it's just overwhelming sometimes when you, you have somebody pray for you. You know they're praying for you. One, that makes you feel better. Uh, that they're going to God along with you. And then just to see the answer unfold. My prayer was, hey, I'd like you to pray for me for 30 days. Just continue to pray for me for 30 days for the direction that, I mean, not necessarily I want to go to, but where God wants me to go to. So I, I asked Jason and the elders to do that, to pray for 30 days and to give me clarity. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I don't want to go to work for somebody else. I want to be in charge. If, if I get fired, it's because I fired me or Stacy fired me. I don't, want, I don't want to be in the hands of somebody else if this happens again and there's a problem and another let go or a layoff or whatever. So my prayer was, God, this is where you want me, then make it happen. Uh, I don't ask to be overloaded or rich. I just ask, I just ask for daily bread. You know, and 30 days later, Jason calls me and says, hey, it's been 30 days. So I, he goes, how's it going? So I, I said, man, you just can't believe it. I mean, I asked for my, my daily bread. And I guess God thought I was hungry, so he supplied. He supplied a little more than my daily bread. Uh, I was busy doing stuff, and I'm just trying to get this off the ground, uh, trying to get this business going, trying to figure out, trying to talk to the people I need to talk to, of what I need to do. And he's just, I mean, he's giving me my daily bread plus. I've journaled prayer. I've journaled the prayers that I've asked for. I've journaled the prayers that's been in our small groups. And you wouldn't believe the yeses. The ones that were no uh, were, you know, no because of a reason, and it was a, a better yes later. So prayer, man, I fully believe in it. And the more people you have praying for it, the better the outcome. I'm thankful uh, for this church. I'm thankful for the people in it, and you know, I'm thankful that God's a patient God and. and you know, it took me 40 years to come to him, but I'm, I'm just thankful that God's patient. And he, he's loved me ever since. He's loved me through it all.
I think one of my favorite lines in, in, that, uh, in that video is, is, you know, John said, I prayed for my daily bread, and God supplied it plus more. Like, that's powerful. And I love that part of that daily bread supply was through the prayer of the elders, and I'm sure multiple people were praying for him, I know I was too, like that is what I'm talking about, those moments where people are being used by God to shed light into our lives. We should look for opportunities to do that, and we should look for when that is happening for us as well, and, and not walk away from those things, or you know, like I said earlier, be too prideful to embrace those. And so, you know, as we wrap up things today, um, you know, we've talked about three different responses whenever light is shed into our dark situation. So I want to recap that and then we'll be finished. Uh, you know, first we said that we've got to receive that help from a place of contentment. When we are content in Christ, whenever he is our reason for living despite any of our circumstances, well, then it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how hard that thing is. It doesn't matter whether it works out the way we want it to or it doesn't. God is still on his throne. Next, we said that we have to appreciate a person's willingness to serve. Through God's sovereignty, he has purposely placed people into our lives to help take care of us during dark times. You know, it's not a coincidence. It's not, it just so happened to work out that way. Like God does these things on purpose. And it's really cool whenever those things happen at like just the right time. It's never happened to anybody before where something happened in your life and it was like perfect timing. Hello, that's God. And we have to embrace those and be appreciative of people whenever he uses them to provide for that need. And like I mentioned earlier, not only does that benefit the recipient of that blessing, but also the giver. And then last, you know, we said that whenever light is shed into our dark situations, then we have to give God glory for what he's done. Yes, God uses people and has used people to shed that light into our lives, but the bottom line is that God is the ultimate source of everything that we need. We have to remember that, we have to know that, we have to live that. There's no doubt that there are people in this room who are likely going through dark times in our life, in your life. I guarantee it. And man, my, my urgent prayer for you today is to be welcoming of who God wants to use to shed light, to find that contentment, to be appreciative of that person that he provides for us, and most of all, to give him glory. No matter what darkness you face now, no matter what darkness you may face in the future, and let me tell you, you will, we have to trust that he will provide the light that we need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you had to communicate to us today from your word. I thank you that in the midst of our dark situations, you use people to shed light. You use people to get rid of those feelings of defeat and hopelessness. And whenever we do receive that light from others, whenever we do receive that glimmer of hope in what seems like an impossible situation, would our response be first 
to find contentment no matter what our situation is? Would we also be those who are appreciative of the people that you provide? And would most of all our response be to give you the glory that you deserve? There's nothing in our life that we do on our own. There's nothing in our life that we are too prideful to receive. But Lord, would you remind us of what you're doing in our life? Would you remind us that it's not hopeless? You are working. There will come a day when we will get past this dark situation. And we will receive the light that you want us to receive. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your son, Jesus. And as we leave here, would we look for those opportunities to be that light for others, to be used by you to bless somebody's life, to take them out of that dark place? And would we be those who are looking for what you're doing in our own lives? It's in your name I pray, amen.